the Automated Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Automated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark Verbenkov. So this week's episode, I think, is a little bit different. Uh, I tend to try to bring guests on who either work with technologies that influence specific work sectors or know of different social impacts of automation through either research or work that they're doing. But as the podcast's main goal is really to explore these ideas and not simply push forward a certain narrative, my guest this week has a really different perspective of technology than what is usually talked about on the podcast. So I have known Izzy Stevens for years, and as you will hear in today's episode, we have had numerous debates on technology and its impact over the years. So as someone who has a background as a professional dancer, she has a very different way of looking at the role of technology and specifically creativity than what has been mostly discussed on this podcast so far. So in fact, one of our first interactions spiraled quickly into a heated debate about the merits and problems of modern tech, but I really think that her more nuanced perspectives today, uh, after studying psychology in Brussels, make her a great guest for the podcast. So I think that her points are quite interesting to hear, and though we don't outright debate in today's discussion, I hope you find the episode as valuable as I did the conversation. Hi there, Easy. Thanks for coming on to the Automated Podcast. How are you doing? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing fine. I'm a little bit hot here, <laughs> but for the rest, it's really good. Thank you. How are yeah. you doing? Terrific. Things are warming up here in Barcelona as well, so I, I can appreciate and empathize with your situation. <laughs> um, so we've known each other for, what, five, six years now, something like that, and we have had continuous if I can say, debates on the aspects of technology versus humanity or just technology as a whole during that time. So I was really happy to have you on the podcast to maybe not necessarily have a debate, but at least have a kind of discussion uh, with our two opposing viewpoints or maybe not anymore. Maybe things have changed. So maybe I wanted to start things off with asking you generally what your take is on technology, right? There are people that are completely for technology, right? Technology positivists. And then there are what we call, you know, modern or neo-Luddites, people that just want to smash technology and want nothing to do with it. (laughs) So on this scale, maybe to just start things off, where do you see yourself standing on the scale? Well, I think when I met you five years ago, I was definitely (laughs) smashing technology. (laughs) and being really against it. But I think over the years and talking to people and reading, uh, I did change my view and adapt some of the ideas that I'm for technology. But in general, uh, I still hold a very strong point against technology for several uh, reasons. Mm -hmm. And the main reason I think is because because I think it creates um, a lack between the connection and our own awareness with ourselves and with our bodies. And that's the part that I would like to protect also with my background as a dancer and uh, as a teacher that I believe is important. So yeah, what I mean, for example, um, is that, you know, whenever I was in school and we had a 90% of uh, attendancy. 
you know, and I was yeah, that, that was, was required in order to pass. I remember you saying like you had to have an, uh, a 90% attendance record. Otherwise you wouldn't, you know, pass your, your school. Exactly. And maybe it's childish, you know, to do, to do things like this. But what I learned from that is that I was showing up every day, you know, doing my classes, even though my body was super tired or uh, I was sad or whatever. I, I learned to work with what I had in that day. And that part gave me so much knowledge that, uh, yeah, I think there is nothing bigger than the physical experience of accomplishment after trying several times. So whenever I was showing up every day in class, you know, practicing my pirouettes, for example, turning mm-hmm. around on one foot, um, you know, accomplishment that is something that is so valuable and so great. And I think that uh, technology nowadays is really holding this back. You know, if we go out for dinner with a friend, it's so easy to cancel last moment or to send a message or, or you know, to, to walk away from it, which I believe creates an enormous depth of receiving, um, getting what we want and to be where we want to go to. So the discipline of showing up is something that lately I've been thinking about a lot. And I think technology is really in the way of that. Yeah. Okay. And overall, it creates, it creates a depth between your own, the connection between your body, your physical body and, and your awareness, which is right. important. Right, right. And I think this is one of the main reasons that, that you can bring value to this to this discussion right so uh, i I also really hope that uh, this nuanced approach that you have now or this nuanced idea is in part due to the number of discussions that we've had over the years or these (laughs) debates Um, but yeah i I think i think uh, what you're saying is very valuable because it is something that's typically ignored in the discussions when it comes to technology right technology is often perceived as uh, something that emancipates or frees or or brings value to people, and it's you know often in the headlines showing all these terrific things that are happening due to uh, we can get into it later, but you know like autonomous vehicles and the freedom of having to drive. But then there is not as much focus on the negative repercussions of technology, and I think that this is something that uh, maybe in the past you focus on too much, but I think that you, you know, uh, <laughs> still a very valid point especially, as you said, as it relates to your uh, dancing background, which I thought was always very interesting to hear about. Yeah, but I think everybody can, can relate to that in one way or another. You know, it's, it's so easy to just send a message to, to someone canceling or rescheduling meetings, and you don't, even, you don't even care if the person texts you back or not. You know, you, you become selfish. You know, these things, these qualities, I sometimes think it's, I think it can erode the human character. Right, right. Fair enough. Okay, well, maybe in the spirit of debate, I can push back just a little bit. As you know, I spent uh, eight to nine months in Cuba several years ago. Uh, And this was uh, at the time where Cuba still didn't really have internet. They still don't have internet to the extent that you in the Netherlands or me in Barcelona or the States or Canada or elsewhere, but they they did have internet cafes, but there was no data plans available. So the only way to communicate with with people uh, over distance was via phone. So you'd have to make a 
say you were having a date or something like that, you would have to set a place and a time and then you would go there. And if the person didn't show up for whatever extenuating circumstances, there was no way for you to know that that person wasn't showing up. So you just have to either wait there or give up. And the amount of times that uh, this kind of miscommunication or this, this inability to communicate occurred in Cuba for meeting up with friends or whoever um, was really, really frustrating, especially as I came from you know, the Western world where this ability to communicate was just kind of ubiquitous and, and accepted by everybody. Sure, sure. And it, it's true, you know, technology also makes it easier to communicate whatever, whenever you cannot show up. But then in the same time, you know, while we live in the Western world and we do have all these opportunities to cancel last moment, uh, also know and be conscious of the fact that half of the world doesn't, still doesn't. And I think mm-hmm. with that, it also creates a bigger gap between the Western world and the people who don't have access. I'll just add, add another thing here. So I think you've really hit the nail on the head of one of the largest problems with the application of technology today and in the future. And it's this growing sense of inequality. So we have uh, inequality within countries or even within regions uh, mm. with the application of uh, different kinds of technologies. But what's, I think, really interesting is this inequality or even divergence in the ability of, of whole populations. So uh, another very small traveling story. I was in Morocco with a good friend of mine two years ago, and uh, we were using our cell phones to navigate, right? We rented a car and went all over the place. But when we went into the city centers, uh, the, the traffic was crazy and we didn't want to crash. So we would always get into a taxi and have them drive us to wherever we needed to go. And I remember this one very specific time when we couldn't really communicate where exactly we wanted to go. Uh, there was no real landmark, but we did have the GPS position on our cell phone and we were showing it to the taxi driver on our smartphone and the taxi driver was not able to understand what we were showing him because he had never ever interacted with a smartphone, had no idea what a GPS you know, point, that little blue dot on Google Maps was. And the, the breakdown in communication uh, happened at that point where he was unable to understand our technology. I mean, I won't go into how we resolved it, but it was not easy. <laughs> Yeah, but this is the thing. Here we go, you know. This is what I mean. Here we create uh, adapt. Because now, for example, I, well, I actually just bought uh, a new phone, which is very high tech. But I still don't have internet on it uh, when I'm outside of my house. And I do that because of this kind of reasons. You know, whenever I am outside and I don't know where I am or I need to go somewhere, I'm forced to ask people to connect with people and for them also to connect with me and help me. So whenever I always leave this conversation, you know, sometimes I have weird conversations with people, you know, I feel super great of talking to a stranger. And, you know, it's said that (laughs) whenever people can help you, they also feel better. And this, this kind of little communications or or situations is something that yeah the technology maybe breaks down or doesn't enable 
exactly exactly now i don't i'm not saying that everybody should not have internet mm -hmm. outside of the house but it, it is one of the reasons you know if i am in a new town uh, because i moved to a new city and i didn't know um, anybody last year mm -hmm. so you know going to places asking around actually made me to have friends and i didn't met them online i met them face to face which i think is still something super beautiful to do and i think this is this is a loss you know so i i i do fully agree with your perspective you know as somebody who has traveled both with and without a smartphone or other forms of technology uh, i see i see the value of what you're saying uh, but again to push back you know i have moved to many different places as well and i have found you know having uh, I mean, whether it's a smartphone or or just a computer, being able to go to different groups that have, you know, like-minded people. I've always really appreciated that in a new city. So, I mean, uh, I, I go to like a technology group where we discuss uh, new <laughs> technologies, right? Just just as, as an example. I yeah, would... yeah, but your group is very, very little. <laughs> you need technology to find them, I think. <laughs> okay, okay, fine, fine. Gro growing by the day, but let's not go there. <laughs> The, I think the point is that um, these sorts of new technologies enable us to find like-minded people that we wouldn't find uh, just by, you know, walking around the city. So it, it, I think the ultimate point here is that it makes the connection with other people a little bit more efficient. Can I, can I comment on that? Yes, 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 of course, of course. Um, you know, for example, I really like music and I really like live concerts. So I often go there alone. And in the city I live right now, there are lots of them. So for me, you know, sometimes just walking in the city and I hear live music, I just go in and I have the most amazing, unexpected, spontaneous evenings without looking it up so that's what i want to say you're mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you if you're maybe have a precise group or a smaller group yeah technology helps to find your people uh, which also makes it easier but for me for example walking in i meet people from different backgrounds both interested in music so there there is a connection and um, something we like both I understand it makes it easier. And of course, I also use it. But still, I also believe in the natural way of getting somewhere, finding something that's also a kind of beauty. And it also gives something magical, which I think it's not really there when you use technology. <laughs> Fair enough. I do want to reemphasize that. I do agree with your position as well. I was just playing a little bit of a devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, I, th I think that's very clear. Maybe we can move on to uh, something a little bit more focused uh, for the podcast. So uh, we have had perhaps too many discussions or debates when it comes to automation, right? And sure. specifically the, the fears that you have previously had and maybe still have regarding you know, autonomous vehicles or robots being applied throughout, uh, throughout society. I don't know if you've changed your perspective on that over the times that we've had uh, these talks, but uh, maybe I'll just let you you comment on that. Well, I think I did change something, but I think that mainly uh, is caused because right now I'm reading more about technology and I'm 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 having more conversations about it. So it is not that scared or new or whatever anymore you know mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. all know that technology is it's growing so fast and 
in whatever field you are working, you get to deal with it. So to be complete against it and to smash it, I think it's good to work together with it, but hold a strong view on what works and what doesn't. I mean, I come from the art world and I still believe in, if you are going to see a performance, you are going to see uh, a dancer dance. You know, I would not like to see a robot dance. You know, there's something about the person that's in front of you dancing, you know, the body type, the, the physical effort, the, the humanity about it that a robot could never take over. So, okay. So I, I actually wanted to get into this later, but uh, since you've opened that door, we might as well jump. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's skip everything and just go into that. <laughs> so, um, I had a previous episode uh, where I talked about how different uh, technologies like artificial intelligence, robots that are applied to the creative arts, everything from writing to painting to entertainment. I think that this is something that many people kind of see maybe the core idea of creativity, whether it's dance or the other forms that I mentioned, as kind of the last domain that technology is not going to be disrupting from actually from doing this podcast i've become much more aware of just how infectious or or pernicious these sorts of technologies are so when you're saying that uh, you would hate to see uh, let's use your example the you know the robot dancer my position is okay well that's that might even be my position, but it doesn't mean that a new generation of people who grow up only seeing a robot dancer, right, in the next, I don't know, 20 years or so, if there are robot dancers, uh, mm-hmm. they might not feel the same way that you do now. My argument would be that you, you only prefer human dancers because that has been your experience with that art form. Yeah, I think it's also a part that should also be I don't know, integrated in our education or it's something that we, we are used to uh, or not. Um, but for example, I understand what you are saying and I think you are right. But then also it's not only about seeing a robot dance or a robot play music. Last year I was working uh, for two weeks on a festival and I saw so many people performing. And there was actually also a robot group that was performing and I went and watched and it was super interesting to see those robots, you know, playing on the guitar and actually making, making beautiful music. But I do have to say that after a, a while I got tired of it because I think if you, if you see a robotic dancer or an artist, you don't see the humanity in it. You know, you don't, you don't see the robot sweat or there's no space for spontaneously something going wrong and adapting to it or maybe a real interaction with people uh, empathy if something happens and i think you know whenever you go to a concert or do a dance performance you know just close your eyes and just feel whatever is there and you hear the music you 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 see people playing it or you hear people playing it, you you hear the sounds uh, around you. It's it's not only about seeing the robot play, but also the whole atmosphere of 
actually having a human play. And I think that's an experience that a robot could never, could never take, take that place. Okay. Uh, do do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I do. Um, but I want to go back to one of the things that you said, which I thought was quite interesting. So you were talking about, you know, the robot band plane, and I would assume that they were... <laughs> of course you got stuck <laughs> to that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's to illustrate another point. So um, I would assume that the robot band would be hitting every single note perfectly, right? Uh, exactly. one, one of the things that you said was, that with a human performer or a human artist, there might be an opportunity for them to make a mistake and then how they would react to that might make you more easily connecting to that. Is that maybe as, you know, as an artist yourself, is that maybe part of the beauty or part of the appreciation that you have of art? It's the possibility for imperfection uh, and then how the artist reacts to it? Yeah, thank you for emphasizing that because that's exactly what I want to say. When something happens like that, you know, you see, even though, you know, as an artist, you also, you prepare your your performance, you prepare your music mm -hmm. and you play. But whenever something goes wrong, there's something like, like the human part comes up and you see the personality of that person. And when you see the personality of that person, you, you connect with that person. You, you feel that person, you know, and I mm. think that with robots is not able to really happen. And that's the part that is so important to, to have. Going back to my, my other point that I don't want internet on my phone, you know, going outside of the house. It's, it's because I'm able to connect to other human beings. And I think watching a real person perform, it's, there's, there's a beauty about it also one of the things that I see kind of going forward after doing that previous podcast episode was just how perfect, maybe it's not the best word, but how uh, on point or on key these future AI or robotic artists will be, right? There are these robot, there's a robotic or an AI painter that's able to paint, but they're able to do it perfectly, right? So there's not like a single miss stroke throughout the entire painting. Um, yeah, but that's exactly what yes. I dislike perfectionism is something I dislike because there's no there's no connection there you know it's just the 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 mistakes or the little differences that makes an artist unique or an individual also in the personality so with robots I think it will be either way perfect or they break down and it's just a complete mess okay um Maybe we can go back to the idea of automation for a second. So I think we've explored the kind of you know, imperfection versus perfection or the, the humanity aspect that, that technology might be reducing or even as you pointed to the social aspects, the social yeah. skills that many of us, uh, especially the, our younger generations are losing. And I think that this, is, uh, this has been explored well enough in, in other literature. We don't need to go into depth here, but uh, going back to the idea of automation and specifically jobs, right, which is kind of the, the central thesis that this podcast tries to uh, explore. So we've talked about where autonomous vehicles might be replacing, say, several million jobs across the Western world to start off with over the next 10 years or so. I mean, this is just one technology. There's also different like manufacturing robots or service AI, et cetera. But why don't we just stick to autonomous vehicles, which is, a, I think it's an easy thing for people to grasp. 
Can you maybe give your perspective on that? Yeah. So I think technology taking over jobs. Well, if it helps you with doing your job better or more efficient, I think it's good. Like I understand that robots will replace certain jobs and that there will be lots of jobs in many companies. So I think if this happens, we should be more prepared to it and we should look to the other side of the of the coin more because I think now there's so much focus on how to integrate this to do things more efficient, but there's less focus on on what happens to the people who lose their job. You know, for example, I know that my in the company of my dad, there are so many people working in the fabrics. Maybe their job is to just turn a paper paper to the other side. And this has been their job for 30 years. If if they lose their job, they lose they lose they lose their life goal. Mm-hmm. What would you do with these people? And I think most companies will just, I don't know, dump them or put them in another system. And recently I was talking to my, uh, to my friend who said that in his job, he works as a lawyer, and the people who lose their job, they let them know three months beforehand. And then they have a system for them to integrate in other departments. So they get a guide or a mentor who helps them to do other work and see what they like or see if they can take over other jobs. And I think I think if there is this kind of program or help for people who do lose their jobs, I believe it could work. But if it isn't, I think it's a, it's, it's a bit hard and, and rushed. I am really happy to hear that your position hasn't changed on that over the last five or six years, because <laughs> I do remember one of the first discussions we had, and, and that was your position as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can comment on that a little bit. I think that especially with this whole COVID-19 crisis over the last couple of months, there's been a much more uh, focused effort on dealing with people losing jobs, right? It didn't come about due to automation, as many people were hypothesizing it came about due to a a small virus so uh, there have been discussions about you know different sorts of uh, safety nets or even one of the kind of key terms that keeps popping up is universal basic income this is one of the things that uh, has really come about especially in the united states over the last three or four months as all these Mm -hmm. people have been losing their jobs Um, so that's one side of it Uh, the other is that many of the reports that are coming out now that look at automation, they actually explain exactly what you were saying. So it's those people that are doing those repetitive type of activities that you don't really need very much education for, maybe you know a little bit of basic training on how to operate that machine in the factory. Those people mm-hmm. are the ones that have uh, a really higher risk of being fully replaced. Whereas people like, as you're using the example of the lawyers, aspects of lawyers' professions are being replaced by in particular, artificial intelligence. But Mm -hmm. this is enabling other forms or other activities in their job to be focused on. And those people that have, say, their entire job automated, the kind of central idea that many of the people that write about the automation of jobs talk about is retraining. So their job might be uh, irrelevant, obsolete, 
But if they're able to start this retraining process or reskilling process earlier, there's a higher chance that they will get the skills that are needed for uh, the new jobs that are being um, developed now. Yes, but we do forget an important part here. I do think that the people who get fired because of this, they are not open to learn mm -hmm. uh, new parts. And if they are not open to learn, you, you can put them in those integrating system, but it will not work. And I think that that's where the problem is going to be. I, I think we yeah. will create, I think we will create opportunities for them to move in, in other departments, but I don't think they will be open to, to actually do that. And I think that's where is going to be the problem. And it's, I think also, it's not just a small part of society. I think it's going to be a big part of our society so yeah this is why i use the the example of autonomous vehicles right so so currently many many millions of people are either directly or indirectly employed with mm -hmm. uh vehicle type work you know from taxis to truck drivers uh, which is a clear example of you know direct employment or you have maintenance or or even people working at gas stations those are kind of the indirect jobs that are generated by uh, vehicles being used many of those jobs are going to be non-existent over the next 10 15 20 years and i think you've you've touched again on a very key point which is this mindset of not willing to learn new skills or become competent at new activities in new forms of work. I think that this is one of the main things that, you know, culture really needs to start taking into consideration that this reskilling or one of the, the terms that's being used in the literature is this continuous learning, right? There, there needs to be a new kind of culture or approach to learning and it needs to be continuous rather than going to school, doing, you know, either four years or six years, getting your bachelor's or master's and then you're done right you don't need to learn any new skills you just use those skills that you've learned that continues you throughout the rest of your professional career that's not necessarily how things are working now and it's definitely not going to continue on uh well into the future as it relates to jobs well i think we agree on something finally <laughs> how, how uh, unique how interesting <laughs> no but i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more and and that's also you know i always thought that studying to become a dancer i will be a dancer i will work with as a freelancer with choreographers or in a theater but i learned so many other skills that i'm able to use now but mm -hmm. only if I'm open for them to use and to recover, uh, rediscover and use them. And that's something that needs a big focus uh, on in the next, in the future, I think. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a good place to end. <laughs> uh, a point of agreement between the two of us. Which, yeah, which is, which is rare. Um, Okay, well, Izzy, I, I couldn't uh, thank you enough for coming onto the podcast. Uh, I always have enjoyed these discussions with you, and I'm glad to have been able to record one of these for other people to listen to. Um, you are a dancer, so you're typically not the kind of guest that I have on the podcast, but um, <laughs> for, the, for the people that are listening, uh, if they want to follow you or get a hold of you, I think you're active uh, even though you criticize it, you are active on social media. So maybe you can uh, share how people can can get a hold of you. Yeah, I just don't only have a, a vocal language a voice, but I also have a 
<laughs> I also move a lot. So if they want to connect, they can connect with me uh, by my website. It's almost ready. So it's easystevens.com or connect with me by email, which is info easystevens.com. Terrific. And I'll have those links up in the show notes as, as always. So yeah, <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure. No, thank you for having me. So thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to support the podcast, you can leave a like or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to get in touch, feel free to do so over Twitter or LinkedIn by searching for Automated Podcast. On the website, automatedpodcast.org, you can leave a comment on any of the episodes, read the transcripts, and look at the sources I use in all of these episodes. There are also blog articles and additional resources and information on this topic and podcast if you are looking for more. See you next week. The Automated Podcast.